Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Call It a Comeback. Uh, I'm Bobby McGinnis, alongside my co-host, as always, Tom Splone, and we have two very special guests on today, my friend Julian Penza and Matt McHale. Julian, how you doing? You've been on the show before, so you kind of know the routine. Yeah, I'm already a legend at the show, and I'm excited oh, for another one. Oh, a legend. All right. Rookie we'll Matt's in the seat to the left. <laughs> you, you definitely are a veteran, and you have a rookie to your left. Matt, yeah. how's it going? I'm doing good. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> Glad to have you on. And, uh, Tom, how you doing today so far? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm really excited because I know a little bit about poker, but Penza and, and Matt are, I, I call them professionals, honestly. They play a lot, and uh, they're pretty good at it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what, the, what insight they give us today. Yeah, so you just hinted at it. Today is going to be a little different than our normal podcast. As most of you know, we're always talking sports, whether it be NFL, MLB, NBA. Um, however, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the game of Texas Hold'em. Um, I don't know about you guys. This is a game, obviously, you know, we're all 21, so now we can play, like, legit. But this is a game that when I was little, I know, like, my dad would teach me. I don't know. I believe I was probably in, like, middle school when I first learned. What about you? How old were you when you first kind of, like, learned the game of poker? Uh, I don't know. My dad would play it, so probably, like, the same time, like, high school. Yeah. Yeah, like when I was a freshman in high school, I bought into a tournament with a couple seniors that were on my football team, and I ended up coming in second. So ever since that, I, I haven't looked back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gave you an incentive to just keep on improving. Keep playing, yeah. Working yeah. on the craft. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I honestly was introduced a little late, probably like beginning of high school, freshman year. Um, me and my friends uh, played a little bit, but nothing crazy. Yeah. No, it's definitely a fun game, but it's, it's one of those games where – it's like so advanced and there's so many levels to it, right? So I feel like when we're younger and, you know, we see an ace in our hand, you know, we get really excited and we feel like we're going to win. But as you start to learn the game, it's so much deeper than that. Um, and we were talking earlier before we started recording, like the importance of position, right? So like you would play a hand differently whether you're under the gun or whether you're the dealer. So Julian, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Uh, sure. Uh, I think... Yeah, what you hit, what you hinted on is like each uh, position you have different types of hands you want to play. I think basically, what I did is I just went to like a chart of every hand possible, and then just look at the ones that are the best ones and play those from the worst position. And then as you get into a better spot, you can use some of the worst hands and play those because you're in a better spot on the table, which is the biggest advantage. So yeah, that's what it is. yeah. So I mentioned uh, under the gun. Um, Mikhail, do you want to talk a little bit about what that means, actually, for most people who might not know that term? Right. Under the gun is the first person after uh, the big blind to act. So um, so when you act first, you pe the people behind you can either call or re-raise or fold. So you're risking a little bit by acting first. So you want to definitely play the under the gun with the best hand. Right. No, you made a good point. Like playing under the gun with the best hand. Um, does that mean that your range is a lot smaller when you're under the gun? Tighter, right? A yeah, lot tighter, a lot right? tighter, definitely. Right, so a hand that you may play if you're in the dealer position um, is a lot different than a hand that you may play under the gun or, you know, middle middle of the table. I don't know. What do you what do you think? Yeah, yeah, exactly what you're saying, pretty much that. It's just like you're like 10-7 suited, whatever. Like yeah. The nonsense that you love. Oh, well, 10-7 suited is actually my favorite hand. I beat you a couple times with that hand. Uh, I know how frustrated you are because you love the percentages and the mathematics. That's another thing. Um, just knowing, like, your percentages and knowing, like, how good your hand actually is. Like, a lot of times, AK will actually beat, you know, like, pocket 10s or pocket yeah. jacks. So. Yeah, it's like, 
you can go about it, like two ways. It's like you can do like concepts or you can, like play by math. Like there's always like your different type of player too. Yeah. So how does that come into play when it comes to uh, raising and different like bet sizing? Uh, I think like well from a math standpoint, you just like you, there's like these like small equations that you can learn and they kind of help you get a good gauge of what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. But at the same time. It's not the game of just math, you know what I mean? Right, it's like, more than math. Like, right. if you like, if you have, like, some reads on what people do or what you think someone's doing more often than not, then you can sometimes make the bad math decision but the good poker play, I guess. Right, kind of, I actually want to go off that for a second. Like, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Is there any physical tells, uh, meaning, like, stuff that people might do with their body or their eyes or something that gives away uh, a clue to what they might have? Uh, yeah, so, like, one thing I noticed, like, playing with people at the casino in here, um, sometimes they'll look at their chips and then they'll look at the cards that are out and then they'll check. When they look at their chips, like, I feel like they w they're wanting to bet but maybe, like, have a second thought of it. So, like, I feel like they definitely might have something. Another thing is when people go like this and throw the chips, um, they might it might be looked like a little bluffs because they're putting it in your face, but when you place it down like that, I feel like more more than usual, like, they are expecting the chips to come back, in a sense, so... It's more like a confidence it's, thing. It's more like a confidence thing, definitely, yeah. Like they feel confident about their hands, so they're like... Right, yeah, so they'll put it down like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little more cocky. Right, like, another thing that I've realized, too, is, like, also people, like, their posture. So, like, a mm -hmm. lot of times, uh, when people are leaning over in their seat and they're looking at the, the cards on the board, uh, a lot of times they're kind of weak because they're trying yeah. to show like dominance like they might have something <laughs> and a lot of times when someone has like a monster in their hand maybe they're sitting there with pocket aces or pocket kings they're usually a little more relaxed because they're trying to stay calm and, and figure out what's the best move to make that's one thing that i've realized playing just throughout the last few yeah. years yeah it's fair it's i think a, i think a good one like because like you can like some of those times you could like try and like throw someone off by faking it i think a good one is like there's one that i recently learned where it's like the legs all right, like, so shaking your leg or no? It's more like like if your legs are like outstretched, like because like people don't really pay attention to their legs, and you don't really fake it because it's under the table. Right. But like if you're to my right, like right now, and I see that your legs are like in like this when you place like a big bet, I think it's more of like a bluff thing because it's a uh, you put your legs back for like comfort to feel safe. Right. And and it was like a thing I saw on uh, I learned it from some psychologist, and I kind of been using it a little bit, and it's been fairly accurate. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, like, obviously, that's something that you can use. It's very, like, situational. Like you said, yeah. like, I'm sitting next to you right yeah. now. Like, I can see that. Someone who's across the table, like, where it's the camera pointless. is, they can't Portal see that. Yeah. But that's definitely, like, a good thing to know because if you know that, you can get a clue on what your opponent might have, and then you can bet accordingly. And yeah. that takes into account, like, the whole bluffing strategy. Mm -hmm. yeah. now, I would say, like, how often? I would say that the average person probably bluffs, like, 10% of the time. I know I was looking at some stats. Mm -hmm. you got to at least assume that the average poker player will bluff about 10% of the time. Do you think you tend to bluff a little more than that, or do you think you're around that range? Definitely way more than that. <laughs> way more, I know. Yeah. I've played with you a few times. Yeah, so I'm definitely way more than that, but, uh, yeah, I'd say so. I think it depends what you, like what kind of bluff. Like, if they're running, like, a big one or just a small one, I think people tend to do, like, cheap, cheap bluffs for a higher percent than that. But when it comes to, like... These big strategized bluffs are definitely like less. Like a check raise on the river is definitely a low percentage, and like a three barrel is a low percentage. What about how often do you bet? Definitely, bluff? definitely a little more than ten percent. Um, when I'm bluffing, um, 
I like to have a plan going into it, obviously. Like, if I say, like, I get a nice flop and I have a blocker or two and I have, like, maybe say let's say maybe, like, a flush draw with it, like, definitely betting those types of hands I like doing more. Um, I try and stay away from just bluffing on the river. I see a lot of people do that, just bluff on the river, and it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. I yeah, feel like that. once they get there, they just have right, nothing. They have nothing. Like, they're, say, like, a, the final card's a six. They're basically saying, like, I either have nothing or I have pocket sixes. Right. You know? Yeah, like, after they just checked around. After they just somewhere. checked around, yeah. And then so, they just bet huge. Like. And they bet huge. Like, it makes no sense, which I like playing with a lot of those people because I like, if I have, like, a mid-pair, yeah. I'll call it, you know? Yeah, are you guys familiar with the term, uh, like, value cutting? Value cutting? What do you mean? Like, on the river, like, I, I was watching Dan Agranu once, one, Dan, like one of, yeah, one of his uh, classic videos. I know you guys know-lifed the, the whole uh, <laughs> master, Maddie, Maddie Dan master class. <laughs> but um, I was watching one of his videos of when he was playing, like, live, and he was saying, if you have, like, good enough... Um, I guess like showdown equity, yeah. where if you feel showdown. like during the showdown, like you can, you have a good chance at winning, uh-huh. then sometimes it's not always the best to try to like bet or try to squeeze value because you're just gonna cut yourself off when someone raises over the top and you start second guessing, you're probably most likely gonna have to fold. Oh uh, yeah, just like a check call, you mean? Right, right. so yeah, like, yeah, how, yeah. like how often, like a lot of people feel like once it gets to their river, like if it checks to them, they need to bet to try to get more value. But if your hand, is not like the nuts which means like the best hand then like you're you're better off just checking and collecting the pot yeah especially if you have solid showdown value like definitely exactly check yeah. but i feel like a lot of people don't realize that and they end up losing a lot of chips like i've played with people i've seen them try to bet and squeeze some value out and they end up someone ends up going way over the top right and they're forced to fold yeah, yeah. you're just losing chips definitely yeah, yeah julian and uh, <clears throat> matt i just want to I ask you guys real quick before I get into some questions for you guys. What's like you think your best strategy when you're looking uh, at like your hand, depending on like obviously what the hand is, but like what's your maybe best strategy for each of you guys? Uh, that's actually a good question. Uh, I think the best, just in general, like in a general like sense, is just to be aggressive. I think. Like I think yeah. playing aggressive has been so good for me at the. Uh, yeah, at playing live. against you, you definitely do play aggressive. I like to, yeah, I think it's just putting people in tough spots and let them make the big decisions. So, like, because I think most people make mistakes at like our level. Mm-hmm. So it's just like if you put pressure on them, let them mess up, and maybe your mistakes will be less like costly. Point. Yeah, I would say just like putting my opponents on a range. Um, and then just sticking with that and adjusting it after every card and then every bet, every bit of action. Um, just making sure their story makes sense. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow along with it. And if you feel, if I feel like I have the best hand, like definitely go for the pot. Yeah, I think a good thing is to like put labels on people. Like Matt, I'd put like a tight, doesn't play any hands, never bluffs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then for uh, Bob, I'd put maniac or something. You know, yeah, you know and then, to have a label like that. Yeah, so like, you don't have to play. <laughs> <laughs> because that like helps you. Then it's just like you you can get a good gauge of who you're playing against. Yeah, yeah, he is right. He uh, table image is definitely huge. Yeah. Like regardless of what table you're at, you need to have some sort of concept. Concept, like, yeah. Knowing what people are doing right. around you, so and then then you catch on to what they're doing. And then. So building that table image, how often do you guys? You know, a lot of times, 
I see a lot of professionals, they muck their cards always. And I think that's a good good idea because you always want to, you don't want people to know what you have unless you have to show them. You don't want to give them any free information. Yeah. But is there ever a time where if you feel like your table image is, maybe people are starting to take you as like a really conservative player, do you ever show the bluff? Or like if someone, or the other way around, if people think that you're like a maniac aggressive, do you ever show that you have like the nuts? Nah, I don't personally. But I mean, I see people do do it. I think... Uh, I just think I'd never show because I think it's harder for them to figure it out, and then they could just have a distorted image of who you are anyway. Yeah. In my opinion, I don't know. I, I just never really show. I just play my game kind of. I, I never really think of it like that. You ever show your cards? There's th three hands. I'll show. I'll show a street flush, four of a kind, or a royal flush. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I, everything else, like I want to keep my opponents guessing. guessing. Yeah. I don't. I don't want them to have any sort of track, like track on me of what my bet sizes are like. When I have certain hands, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want my opponent to have any of that. Yeah, and Tom, I know you don't play like as much anymore, sadly. Um, but I want to ask you, like, how important is it, like, knowing the other people at the table compared to when you go in uh, to a table where you might not know how they play? Like playing with someone before and kind of knowing that reputation. How important is that? Yeah, I feel like it is really, really important because uh, when you're playing against a, a whole table that's maybe playing conservative and they're not really shoving when they have good stuff, maybe, and they're not getting total value out of you. I think it's important to maybe play aggressive because I know you say a lot you want to play the opposite of the table, so if the table is playing conservative, I think it's smart to play aggressive. That way you can take their money. So, I mean, I feel like it's, it is really important to know the table image. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good little line. I like that. Yeah. Play the opposite of the table. That's pretty smart. I, I, I agree with that. It's pretty agreeable. Yeah, it's actually one of the f like, first things my dad taught me when I was younger. He was always saying, like, play opposite of the table because if you're doing that, then you'll be able to catch people when they make mistakes. You know, if you're playing at a really aggressive table, just play conservative and wait until, you know, you find them trying to steal a pot yeah. and then you end up, you know, taking it home. Um, yeah, Matt, I want to talk to you. We were talking earlier, like, yeah. the difference uh, in style of play between tournament game uh -huh. and a cash game. So if you want to shed some light on that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, two completely different styles of play. Um, one thing I learned about tournaments, or you can't really win a tournament in the first couple of rounds, but towards the end, like, this is where you win it. So with tournaments, like, I like to play in position at the top of my range, basically, for every hand. Um... Very rarely will you see me playing from under the gun, under the gun plus one. Um, but yeah, then definitely like, like as you guys know, when you get down towards like 20, 15 big blinds, there's gotta be a time where you gotta shove. Um, even throughout the whole tournament, you gotta keep track of how many big blinds you have and adjust your play um, to whatever amount of big blinds you have. Yeah, no, that's a great point you make because a lot of times we see in tournaments, people kind of just get blinded out, yeah. which means that, you know, as the blinds start to go around the table, they start to lose all their chips. And then when it's time for them to go all in, they don't have enough to really double up and get back in the game. Right. So do you, like when you say you get down to what, like you see 10 to 15 bigs, maybe even less than 20, is that when you start to shove? Yeah, I actually have, like when I'm playing online, I have a, a chart, like a push-shove chart that I use. It goes, ranges from 20 bigs to one big i'll never be in that spot obviously yeah, yeah. No, but like rarely yeah unless you're rarely and caught by a match stack yeah. right yeah mm -hmm. but i i stick by the formula and it works, it, well. it works very well yeah yeah no having like a little uh sheet that's you know says like oh you know the percentages like this makes this makes sense to shove in this position you know that's important when you're playing online and and mm -hmm. obviously you know that's something that anyone can just pull up on their laptop but when you're playing in person you don't really have that luxury right. 
So is that something where like people should kind of prepare before they go and play in person and kind of have that idea in their head? Yeah, I, I think definitely. Like if you're if you're in a pretty serious tournament, uh, if we're just playing at home and with our friends, I'll I'll probably do it by eye. I don't know the I wouldn't know the exact percentages, but if I think my hand's good enough to get in there, I'm I'm gonna get it in there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, coach pretty much nailed it on the head. Yeah, I know. And I, like speaking of percentages, uh, a lot of times like people use the term coin flip, mm-hmm. and that basically means when like before the flop comes or even after the flop, you have a 50-50 chance of winning that. And I know, Julian, uh, you had some recent hands that you, that we want to get into, so hopefully if you guys want, we can get into the simulator and kind of like talk about what happened. Yeah, we yeah. can. So last night I was out, and I uh, came up with a boatload of hands. All right, we, so could, I was thinking I could go over here on the pod. Yeah, let's see if we could plug some of these in here and see, maybe talk it out, see like what the thought process yeah, is. Yeah, like and stuff. Yeah, so we use this website here, and uh, All right, I'll just pick a random one. Yeah, pick anything, and uh, we'll get into it. <clears throat> All right, so we'll go with this hand. It looks like it's about like halfway through my session. It's just a random one I picked. I got Queen Jack and the cutoff. Uh, suits. It's uh, offsuit. Yeah, just put any offsuits in there. All right. I didn't write it down. Queen Jack. Yep, and then this is the action. So it goes queen jack in the cutoff, and I raised to eighteen. All right, there was so a limp. There was here. a limp somewhere in middle position, early position. All right, so I mean, I w- did it get down? How many players were like heading into the flop? So it goes uh, queen jack in the cutoff. I make it eighteen, and the small and the blind. So the blinds call. All right, so the two guys, you know, who have to act before you called, right? Post flop. Yep. All right, so we don't know what these guys have right now. No, we don't, right. and. uh so, like, the players, I've played with uh, one of them before, and the other guy I have not played with, but the other guy was pretty tight and pretty much just, like, they didn't really play too much or defend. Like, he under-defended and under-played, so I could just kind of push him around. Okay, so in this situation, the dealer is, is this guy here. We got little blind, big blind, called your raise. Yeah. Right? And then what was the flop? The flop came out three, four, seven rainbow. So yeah, It didn't really matter. Just right. anything here. Let's see. The, three. Yeah. About four and a seven. Yeah, it was just a rainbow flop. <clears throat> All right, rainbow meaning one of each uh, suit. Suit. Yeah, I, I know that. I'm just clarifying. Mm-hmm. And then it checked to me, and I did a little continuation bet of fifteen. All right, so bet. these two guys both checked, and then yep. you bet fifteen, which was probably fifteen into like fifty-seven. All right, so, so it was way less than half pot. Right? Mm-hmm. It was like a uh, like a little one quarter pot almost. All right, and. Uh, the uh, small blind folded, and then the big blind defended. All right, so now this guy's out, and this guy called. Yep. And then the turn is a nine, so it's another not really good card. I'm sitting here with absolutely nothing. Right. And then he checks to me, and at this point, I'm thinking he has some type of drawing hand or maybe some small pairs. And I think at this spot, for me, being I like to play aggressive and I like to take the high road, I think I can put him in a tough spot with any one pair holdings. Like thinking about it, like how much is a pair of sevens gonna love this? Right. Pair of fours, pair of nines. So he stayed. Pair. He stayed in after your continuation bet after the flop. So you would you would assume he might have like a pair here. Um, being mm-hmm. in the big blind position, any of these cards are very likely. Um, and then, like I said, he did. Did he end up? Now, where, what did you bet on the turn? He checked here, and then I'm gonna bet again here and be aggressive. I bet 40 into 90, so a little, on, just a little bit under half pot. Okay, so you got a little maximum less than, pressure almost. And I'm curious, did he end up calling you here? He did end up defending one more time, All and right. then the river was a dream. It was a, it was a queen of I 
think diamonds, but it didn't really matter because it was a right. Anyway. There's no flush draws, so so I make so now you make now you make top pair right with uh, a jack kicker. So I make a little baby pair here. <laughs> baby, I mean, you, yeah, a lot no, of times, a, a lot pair. of, I think I'm of, good here. A lot of times you're in the lead. A lot of and when he checks it to me for a third time, uh, I don't think he can have five six of it, right? Right. So do you now in this situation, you hit your queen, right? And this guy is checked, but he's checked called every time. Yeah. Now. There's already de- good money in the pot. Yeah, did is. you consider checking, or did you feel like you could get more value out of him? No, I, I don't think I can ever check here because when we look at his range, if he has any good hands, like two pairs or like. There's no four, chance he has five six though to make th- make his straight. Uh, if he has five six, he should probably like raise. Sh- right? Should have bet the river. Point, I would yeah. assume check raise. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, when I find playing live at the level like the small stakes, like one three, the smallest ones there, they don't really check raise that often. They would rather, like, lead out. Okay. But if they do check raise, it's rarely, like, a bluff. Like, it's almost never a bluff when they check raise here. So I can just bet and then fold if I ever get raised here. Yeah. Like, pretty much. M- Mikhail, I want to ask you, what would you do here? Would you uh, check or raise? Um, me, me personally, I would probably check, honestly, because yeah. I have no clue what this guy has. He's yeah. checked called all of my uh, roughly half-pot bets. Right. I- I- I'm a little nervous here. I don't know. If I had a short stack... Um, I feel like I probably want to get it in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, if I have playing bigger stack, the pot's already big. Yeah, I could see a check too. I kind of have this guy on like ace five suited. I could yeah, see that's I, something that he would be calling with. Could have that. I was thinking like five sixes. Five sixes. I, I something think, in there. Yeah. I really thought he had like five sixes or maybe like seven eight. Yeah. And do you say this yeah. guy usually plays like tight or he? Uh, <laughs> actually, I think the guy who was tight folded in his hand, and this guy who was pretty much a. I just called him a limp caller. He limped every single hand. I promise you, he did not. Not even his aces he raised. He got aces one time, didn't even raise them. So he limped pretty much all types of hands. All right, so, so he could really, in reality, could have anything. But when he doesn't check raise the uh, the turn or the flop, I don't think he has the strongest hands. So this guy checks. And he has a mediocre hand too. Yeah. This guy checks here, and we'll, we'll go. We'll go back into what happened here. So he checks to you on a pot of. Uh, what is it? It's like one ninety plus eighty, so it's yeah. one seventy. It's about one seventy. Okay. And then he checks to me, and I think it over for I think three seconds, and then I bet eighty five. All right, so you go about half pot again, half pot bet of eighty five. Now I'm assuming did he end up calling? He did not. He snap folded. Wow. Okay. So you probably ended up pushing him off of his pair of sevens. I would assume. Something yeah. Like so that. like I think what's important there is just like hands like that. Just like you can always you want to I think. In live, you want to go for as much value as you can because I think people play pretty face-off. So I, I want to just change the scenario a little bit here. Say this river wasn't a queen. Yeah, I thought <clears> you were going to do this. Right. Say this river wasn't a queen. Um, king. Even better. Say it was like a king or an ace. We'll go, with it. we'll go with a king here. And then he checks to you. Does that change what you do here or do you still try to bluff him off? I'd probably I'd go with the bluff off. I'd probably bet same amount maybe. Right, because, I mean, in this situation, range. you could play as if you just hit a king. Yeah, right? you right. if I'm doing it with queen-jack, I'm doing it with king-jack. Right, if he calls it. you, you can just, or, call, or raises, you can just fold. fold. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's another so, thing that I kind of want to talk about. When I get there about. with the value. Right? It's like how often people don't realize sometimes you got to pay a little money into the pot to f- see what they have. It's not the worst if you end up uh, making a bet, if you end up opening with a bet and someone raises you, it's not the end of the world to fold. You don't have to keep putting money in. But to pay for a little bit of information of what that guy might have or how he's playing, it goes a long way if you're you're sitting down for a couple hours. Yeah, and I think the thing is that live, it's just like 
they're not really balanced when it comes to raises. So they're so value heavy on raises. Like unless like I can unless I put like a label on this guy where he's like balanced, like a balanced label where it's like he will raise me as a bluff. Uh, they're usually just like when he raises here on the turn, I just go. Oh, he's got five, six, seven, nine, you know, threes, fours, you know, and just fold happily. You know what I mean? No problem. Yeah, I got a question for you, Julian. Um, how do you like play against um, limp callers? <laughs> limp callers are like the toughest thing, but yeah. I, I think you got to do. It's I think the easiest way is just like when you have a table full of limpers, you got to do your standard raise, and then whatever they limped. Plus one. Yeah, yeah, plus whatever they limped. And then whenever they just defend, I just usually I just bet my best hands. Like, I kind of just, like, like if I'm four ways, I just will give up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah unless I'm flopping anything. Like, once it's right. four ways and I got, like, ace-jack off, I'm kind of mm. giving up playing conservative. Yeah. Even if I flop an ace, and it's, like, ace-10-7, I'm still going to... I still like probably don't have the best hand sometimes. Yeah, but obviously especially I'm, four ways. Yeah, yeah, but I'm betting to the, protect my hand because yeah. I can't let eight nine get there, et cetera. Yeah, plus draws. Yeah. So going back to the board here, let's uh let's wash this away and and we'll go with a new one. Mikhail, I'm going to turn to you. You had yeah. a hand that you were describing to me earlier that happened in a, a recent home game, and uh, let's see if we could play it out yeah. at once again. So, so go uh, ace ten of hearts. For me. So you have ace ten of sorry, hearts? Yeah, hearts. Alright. So I'm in position ten. against this guy. So he acts before you. He acts before yeah. me. Uh he has King Five. Right. Suited. 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 Alright. So he has King Five suited. Yeah. Alright. So before the flop, you're ahead here. Right. Obviously, most people know that. If you have ace high, you're definitely ahead right. unless someone ha has a made pair. Right? Yeah, so I made like a pretty standard raise. Um, this guy with king five, um, he calls, he, I think his like call percentage is probably like 95. <laughs> so he's a limp caller. He's so a limp you, caller. You played with this guy before. I've played with this guy a lot of times. I kind of <laughs> know how he plays. I know a lot of his tendencies, so like I'm pretty confident with this. Is it Tom? <laughs> uh, especially like after the flop comes out the flop you want me to give you the flop now? yeah go ahead so uh, it's down to you guys i'm assuming everyone else folded in the hand uh, there might have been one other person one. but they got out of the way right. pretty quick yeah for, for the purposes of this not yeah, relevant yeah. so uh yeah let's hear the flop ace ace yeah just good. any any suit um yeah and then king five of uh hearts, of hearts right yeah. all right so you're this situation right here Yes, you hit a pair of aces, but currently he's technically, if the hand were to end right now, I guess he's he's ahead because he has two pair. But percentage wise, you're actually favored in this situation because you have the nut flush draw. Right. So this is this is a very interesting hand. So he acts first. He bets the pot. Like when someone bets the pot, they're indicating that they're strong usually. Or in my case, this guy, I've played with him a lot. He likes to bet the pot just to try and get everyone out of the hand. A lot of times when he has nothing, this time he, he ended up having something. So he bet the pot and I called. Right. So when you make this call here, so he bets the pot, which is yeah. for, for, for most people who do not know, that's a lot because he's right. betting the amount that's in the pot already, um, making, it, making it a tough call for you. Right. But in this situation, you got to think like obviously you can't put him on king five exactly, but you yeah. could put him on a king. You could put him on an ace, but you have a pretty good kicker uh, with that uh, ten yeah. to go along with your top. Oh pick. yeah, the way this guy plays, he just has a lot of junk here. Yeah, I do know that he is very capable of like five, uh, ace three, ace two. 
right. King Two. Just some like hands that he five, thinks four. is good. Yeah. Then. So at, at this yeah. point, did you think that you were ahead? Definitely. I think I'm like I, when I saw this flop, like he's yeah. ahead most of the time. And you're drawing uh, most to of the time. Drawing I'm drawing to, a to enough head. flush. Like there's no way I can possibly lay this hand down. Of course not. So I like <laughs> the call as well. Now, what was the what came on the turn? Uh, two of clubs. All right, two of clubs. So. God, not a great card for you, kind of uh, yeah. irrelevant to the hand. But yet again, you still hold ace here with a, a pretty good kicker. Uh -huh. So he checks to me here, um, and I think this is where I probably made the mistake. I ended up betting half pot. Um, I probably could have just checked it back, especially like like I should have probably been a little more conservative, especially when he leads out betting the pot. Um, but I ended up making a half pot uh, bet. And he ended up min-raising me, so doubling my bet. Uh, and I ended up calling. And then the flat, uh, the river comes a f another five. Okay, so he ended up making a boat, but he yeah. was ahead anyways. He was ahead anyway. He has me crushed <clears throat> here. Um, this is where like, I like, am thankful. He checks to me, and I just checked it back. He ended up having the nuts. So, like, I, I mean, I could have probably played it better, but... Uh, I feel like I, it was just a little unfortunate how how it turned out. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's tough because when you make that bet after the turn, so he checked to you, yeah, um, showing weakness, yeah, after yeah. after he bet pot, oh, yeah. so he's showing weakness there, and with your ace, um, so you have top pair with a good kicker, and you also have the nut flush draw, yeah. Obviously, I. I, I I don't hate the raise as well in hindsight. In hindsight's twenty twenty. It looks like a, a bad raise, um, yeah. but you're but a bad bet. But you're That's trying right. to, you're trying to build more value to that pot. Where if yeah, a heart yeah. does come, but is it a <clears throat> is it a bad bet though? Like he he does have the top pair. Right, that's I why I'm like saying I don't I don't, I don't, I don't think necessarily it's think it's bad. But it's Julian, definitely not bad. It's not bad. I don't think it's bad by any means. I think uh, against him, since he is kind of like. Like junk heavy, it's yeah. definitely not awful. Mm -hmm. But since you do have like you do have like most draws on that board with the ace ten of hearts, mm -hmm. you're blocking some of his flush. Yeah, and obviously you block. You also block some of his good value with the ace, like ace five, ace king. I think you just check back for pot control though. Just yeah, keep it yeah. small because you do have a marginal hand at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then you can just play a little pot control in your position, and then yeah, yeah. you can evaluate on the river. Yeah, like I could take him off AK. I could take him off. King King Ace Ace. Like, yeah, I know when, he, when he checks those yeah, back, he doesn't yeah. have many monsters. But yeah. when he, like, if this river comes out and he does a massive bet here, you can get away from right, it. Right, definitely. For a cheat. Yeah. I mean, he did end up getting away pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I did save some money. Yeah. So, river, he let you go. I'm going to simulate one more. This is kind of like, <clears throat> this is very hypothetical. This did not happen to me, but I feel like we see it kind of happen quite often. So, I'm just going to throw a, a random. A uh, random hand in here that that someone may have. Jack ten suited, just not bad pre flop, um, pretty good starting hand. Now we don't know what the rest of the table has. Um, say there's a couple players in. I I just kind of want to know what you guys do because I've been in this situation before where maybe the flop comes like ten, another ten, and like a two. It's like a paired board. So it's a paired board. You hit trips. And most of the time, you're probably ahead here. Especially, I mean, yeah. Jack Kicker, pretty good. Um, like 99% of the time. Right? right. So say you're, like, early to act, right? Say you're, like, little blind. Your first act is still has to go around the table. What's your approach here, Julian? Because we've actually, I remember, I think it was last semester, we had a conversation about it, and you told yeah, me that boards. you're, like, you're like Bob, 
whenever you have trips, you always check. <laughs> yeah. like you're like, that's just something I know about you. And I've kind of used that to my advantage now when I play. A lot of times I'll, I'll bet this. Now it's tough because in this situation, it's a two. Yeah, it's very missing. So no it's tough. If it, was like, if it was like a king, I could try to represent a king. Yeah, there's no flush draw either. Exactly. So, but I just want to know your, your thought process on like, what do you do early position with this type of board? Uh, it definitely varies. I think when it's like uh, 10, 10, 2, no flush draw, it's definitely a check, honestly, for me. Yeah. Let some people catch up. I don't think you're going to get much value unless it's going to be a 10 that calls you. Right. I mean, do you then get nervous? Say, all right, say this was, let me change this up a little bit. <coughs> yeah, say this a different one. You say, this, like a, say this was, there was two yeah. clubs on the board, right? I could, yeah, I could toss in a bet here. All right, because you want to try to push off, you know, someone drawn to a flush? Not or? even just charge him. Just make him pay. Make him pay to see it? I want them to call probably because I'm ahead <coughs> most of the time. And if they get the jack of clubs, then they're just giving me the stack, you know? What if you're in position? Yeah, so what if, uh, say you're the dealer in this position, and this guy has to bet checks first. Checks around to you. Oh, checks. Checks around to you. What are you and doing with that? it shows a lot of weakness, right? I'd probably still continue with a bet. Yeah, I feel like I would probably When it's a same. flush draw like that, or especially if it's a if it's a high card king, queen, it's going to get checked to you a lot anyway, and that's a great time to bet. And do you value bet here, or do you kind of try to represent that you want people to fold? No, you value bet. You have the best hand, right? Right, you do, but then what happens if another club comes on the river here? All of a sudden, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a sweat. You know, that's not a great card. Mm -hmm. Say this. Say the, the three of clubs comes up. Well, then you probably you're gonna probably check back for pot control because if you're putting them on a flush draw that they're calling you with on this board, you want to check it back. Or what, where are we? You're saying we're dealer. Let's dealer say we're in position. They check it to you. Then you want to check back, right? Because what are we betting here for? If we bet here, we're either crushed or we're drawn against a ten and we have a mediocre kicker. It's actually. Kind of a good point that I want to hit on. So you said, what are we betting here for? And by what you mean by that, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, is in the minds of the other players, why would you bet? Like, what, what are you trying to display yeah. that you have in your hand? And how important is that? Like, do you, like showing, like, what you may have um, and showing that through your bet sizing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand. I think what I think of betting, I think of, like, three things. It's like, are we betting for value? Are we betting for protection or like almost like charging? I think in my head, like are we charging a draw or protecting my hand against uh, like over like over cards or something? Like if I have sevens on a two four five, I need to protect my hand against king queen, right? Uh, or am I betting for value? And if it doesn't hit any of those three, then I probably shouldn't bet. Yeah. Pretty much, how I think. Or if I'm betting the bluff, obviously. The bluff, you forgot. Yeah, bluff. But if I'm not doing either of those, if I'm not doing any you of do those... You do bluff I, a lot, right, Penza? <laughs> yeah, I like to bluff you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Is it easy to bluff off Tom Spalone? Uh, Tom Spalone has been working oh. on this game. It's in the works. Yes, <laughs> it is. I got Coach Matt here and Coach Penny, and we're working on it. Right? <laughs> With uh, Bob uh, helping out every now well, and then. Well, I don't, I don't get a coaching title? <laughs> <laughs> it's nah, Coach nah. Matt, Coach Penny, yeah. and then just Bob? Yeah. Am I like a consultant? Hey, your monologue, so you give us the, you give us the rundown. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> But yeah, I think, I don't know, I think when here, you can't be scared of just like, you can't be scared that the flush is going to come in every time, you know what I mean? I see people like that at live, where they'll just go all in here, because they're like, oh, I don't want to see another club come out. Well, right. It's like, what do they got? They're, they're, they're the ones who have the less odds, right? That's where yeah. the math comes in. They're the ones who are drawing worse, so in reality, if you bet a normal amount in the long run, they're not going to get the club every time, so. Right, that's true. Do you want to go over any other hands in particular? Uh, it's up to you guys. You guys want to do one more? I mean, I brought in a bunch. It's yeah, I'm cool guys. to do one more. I know, Tom, do you have any questions? Uh, yeah, maybe we can hit on this question maybe while you're pulling that up, Penza. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this is a little bit of a hypothetical, situational kind of mm -hmm. 
question. It doesn't really say where you're seated, like, okay. but we can do a hypothetical. So, all right, so in hand, four here. So you're dealt uh, seven of hearts, eight of hearts, so on suit. Uh, the board is six of hearts, nine of diamonds, ace of hearts, nine of hearts. Maybe should I plug this yeah, into the computer? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, cool. So read yeah, that again. Seven of hearts. So seven so of hearts and eight of hearts is uh, your hand. That's our hand. All right, so we have a seven and an eight, and the flop comes. Flop is six of hearts, nine of diamonds. Nine of diamonds. Ace of hearts. Ace of hearts. And that's the flop. All right. All right, and okay. is there any action does it give you? Says, Man, we have um, a pretty wicked it says, hand. It says <laughs> nine of hearts. Actually, give me the flop too, but so it says nine of hearts is on the, the turn. turn. Yeah, so we're open ended with a. Okay. So it we're says open ended on the flop with a flush draw. I'm yeah. pretty much getting my money okay. in every time here. Yeah, I'm trying to. Like, I, this is one of the raises that you do as like a. Well, not, this is like not even really. It's a like a double draw, right? Well, what do you call yeah. these? Is there a term? I mean, there definitely is. This is a straight flush draw. Well. Yeah. Not mm, straight you don't have a flush, but yeah. straight and a flush. flush. So you have two draws here. Um, yeah, that's very good. So yeah, so say here you're leading off. Like, what do you do? Uh, if it's checked to me, I'm definitely betting 100%. I'm honestly betting pretty large here. I'm probably gonna go pot ish because if I'm the preflop aggressor too, it ace hits my range as well. So I mean, I could just represent an ace if. If we completely whiff at the end of the day. Yeah, right. Worst comes to worst. If you bet pot and, and people think it's too big and they end up folding, you take down a pot with eight high. You know? Yeah. Like that's what you got. Right I don't now. even know if I'd go. I, I don't know. I'd probably go like two thirds here. I could just. It depends, like, obviously how many people are in the hand. When it's like three, four ways, or I'm yeah. betting huge. When it's maybe head to head, I'll bet smaller. I'd say if it's like four or five people, yeah. you're in the. Your first to act. Do you ever consider just check raising this? Or, oh yeah, yeah I, that, that's this what is, I was gonna say. Like I would probably check raise if this I was is, early. I, this is a slam dunk check raise. Yeah. Like, don't even think about it. Yeah, this is, you get your money. I'd short stack, get it right. in big stack. You yeah. want to get all your money here, and yeah, it doesn't definitely. come. It doesn't come. I mean, okay, uh, th that's a good point. What happens? Um, okay, so nine of hearts was the so we hit the, the flush. Turn. So you hit the flush, um, and let's say your opponent has trip uh, nines. So yeah. how are you going about this? Um, getting the money in. Let's say, yeah. let's, say went, let's say when we let out, he defended, right? Yeah. Let's say we let out and he called because he has a nine. He defended, mm -hmm. not buying that we have an ace or anything. We hit our flush here and he hit trip nines. I think it's almost like a dream come true. Yeah, I yeah, think. I think when we. It's honestly very interesting because we can't. We don't really know he has a nine. Yeah. So I think we. Could check to trap at times. I think I do do this. Right, because you hit sometimes, your flush. Yeah, sometimes when the board pairs like this, I will act like I'm scared of the flush. Is it like because if I have mm -hmm. an ace here, I check it, right? Yeah, if you just have like a pair of aces, you're probably checking. Checking here. it. Um, I'd probably check maybe. Yeah, start I, I off like with the check because then if he has any nines, he's you gonna raise bet. here. Yeah. yeah. I like and the then check. And when he he could uh, just hit a slam dunk check raise. Obviously, he can, he could be boated, but. Yeah, you could check so raise. Yeah, I mean, there's also draw to open in the straight flush draw as well. Yeah, he could have a boat. He could have higher hearts, but it's unlikely probably yeah. at this point. I think I'd lead out if I'm more. If I think if he's more of a tighter player and has ace here, uh, I might lead out and charge him for an ace. But I don't know. It's kind of tricky. You can go both ways or fine. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good situation. Um, all right, so we'll go to I guess one more simulated hand from. When you were uh, playing last night, yeah, sure. That's where you're supposed to be pulling up. I forgot. I got <laughs> Delay uh, game. That's a that's a five yard penalty. Uh. <clears throat> all right, we can do. 
we'll do this one. All right, so I have a let. This is a pretty good hand. I have six five of clubs. All right, so you got six five of clubs. Yep, in the small. All right, so you're small blind. This guy's the dealer for the purposes of this hand. <laughs> uh, it limps all the way to me. I think there was, I mean, it folds all the way to me, but then one limper to my right. So I make it 20. So it's I, one of these guys. It's the dealer. Uh, the dealer? The button limps, and I make it 20 because I'm on the small blind. And big I, blind folds, I assume? Uh, big blind does fold. And the only person who calls is the uh, dealer. He limp calls. And this guy... I didn't really have too much of a read on him, but so decent did, player. By the, I just want to fast like, forward here. By the end of the hand, did you know what his cards were? Did it get to yeah, a showdown? Yeah, yeah, we get to so a showdown. So do you want to plug that in now and we, so we yeah, give the audience sure. uh, it was uh, It was two black queens, I think. Or it might have been – it might have. all right, you just give him a queen of spades and a queen of diamonds was it, I think. All right. So he's got queens and he limps, which is Whoa. something I would not do. Damn. All right. So, yeah. So he limps here. And limping, by the way, we've said it a couple times on the broadcast. Mikhail, do you want to explain that term? Yeah. Limping is just call, like, uh, if there's no raise before you, it's just calling whatever the blinds are. So you're playing $50. You're just calling a dollar without raising it. All right. Yeah. So he limps in this situation. Yeah. So he limps for $3. I make it $20. He defends. Obviously, he's got sick hand. I, if I was him, I'd, if I'm limping, I'd probably he limp would. raise this hand. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. Why'd you raise to $20 here? Because uh, I was a small blind, and there was a li- usually I'd make this 15, right, if there's no limpers. But since I was a, since there was a limper and I'm in the worst position in the game, I made it 20. Now, would that be different if you didn't – like 6-5-6 six, five, five, six suited, 6-5 six, suited. It's not terrible because you, you have a, a, yeah, I like it. a few draws going on here, obviously pre-flop. But if you were to, say, have like any other hand, you know, like say 7-2 is off, it's the worst hand in the game, are you still raising to try to – Show a bluff like a different a different hand. Nah, I'm playing just, a different. I'm just hand. playing my hands, right? right? And then, but so the suits and the the connected suits here definitely played a part in that race. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's a part of the range, I guess right. you could say. And then the flop comes Queen of Hearts. All right, so we got a Queen of Hearts. So he hits nine his of, trips. Yeah, nine of diamonds, seven of spades. So we got a rainbow here, and we have a gutter. All right, so you have no flush draw no now. Flush draw. Nope, we have nothing. We pretty much we had no flush draw, no nothing, but we have a gut shot and a dream. And obviously, I can't put them on queens. But when we when we're the pre-flop aggressor, we just have like we have so much queen x here. We have nines, we have sevens. Like right. we have all the good hands here, jack ten. So in this situation, you're first to act. What did you do at post-flop? Uh, so I started off with a bet of 15. All right, so you bet 15 here. Into, four, into like 42 or 43. Right. So I think it's 43. Roughly half, a little less than half pot. What is uh, the dealer end right, up doing? About a third, I mean. Uh, he actually just calls, but he's like, he like thinks a little bit, and then he slowly calls. And when he does, when people do that, I think they just have like an, an average hand or like super good. <laughs> right. So that's that's another thing, like different than online. That's a physical tell that yeah. you were reading, and obviously you may have got the wrong tell. I, at I the don't time. think he ever just have has top pair here because when they have, when people have top pair, they just aimlessly call pretty. They don't take ten seconds. They right. Just put it right in right away. So he calls you now. The next card is the turn. The turn is the eight of clubs, <sighs> giving me that's exactly what you want to see. Giving me the straight. Which uh, is exactly what lucky. we needed. Very lucky. very lucky. And this hand is actually one of the interesting ones because I tend to not do this that often, but I'm starting to implement it into my game. Real, I go with 
What do you want? No, to real quick, I just want to go back to this. So before that card comes, you only have fifteen percent chance to win. Yeah. And that just that's crazy because now the percentages you hit your straight. The reason why this number is not higher though is because he could hit a boat. He could boat, but we could quads. Well, the way he plays it, I'm just I just don't really have him on any trips. I wouldn't either. Right. So I now you say. lead off, and you're definitely ahead. You know you're ahead. Here. Yeah. So I know I'm hitting a hand, but when he tank calls like that, I'm gonna. I was thinking in my head, let's just because I think he has an either average hand, like I said, or I think he has the nuts, or like not the nuts, but I think he had like trips, two pairs there, so really strong hands. On the flop, just playing devil's advocate, could he have a jack ten? Because uh, that's a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He that could've. he definitely, definitely could have thought about and then called with. Maybe, yeah. He could have jack ten, but you can't to give be, him the higher. It's street. like one of those things where you just can't be scared of monsters on the yeah. bed. You know what I mean? You gotta get. So I actually overbet the pot. I think the pot was it was forty three plus. Uh, so it was seventy. It was like seventy five, seventy three dollars, and I bet ninety on here targeting like. What I thought he had was like queen nine, nine seven, maybe sevens. This is a lot of what I thought he had. Could have some jack ten if when he calls, if he calls. He quickly calls. Like he like was not expecting. Right. Like he looked like he just I don't know. He was so excited. And just for the purposes of this, what was the river? The river was the king of diamonds. Okay. And now I kind of have a decision to make. I could check and try and check raise, or I could just bet huge again. And I. Th- I think this is where I kind of made a mistake. I ended up just going with a massive bet. Uh, he had like 500. He had like 400 in a stack. And the pot is, what, 180 plus 70. It was like 250, 255. And I bet 225. It was maybe like 270. It was, I bet 225. Right. And he quickly just snap calls with queen, queen, obviously losing. But wow. I think if I, like looking over this, I could have just checked. Because when I put him on a, when he calls 90, an overbet, when he calls an overbet, he pretty much is doing this with his best hands. Right, so you could definitely check raised here. Especially at this level, yeah. Especially at this level, they're not really going here with some nonsense unless you have him labeled as something else. And when I have him labeled as pretty tight, in my mind, when he makes this call for 90, I can check, and then he's going to bet, right? Are you going to, you're going to bet queens probably here? I probably would, yeah. When check two, I think we all would. I think you feel pretty confident when check two, so then I could easily check raise and get all his money in. So hindsight, yeah. Chuck raises the play there. I think so. I think because, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. big bet worked too. Like obviously, I got the money in, but I think if I want to, I should have stacked this guy. Like I should be stacking this guy in a situation like this, right? Because yeah. it's kind of just like. Yeah, I feel like with him too. Like limping is definitely a big mistake, and especially when you raise two, like three bet. You know, like yeah, yeah. Like I don't know what you're doing in. Uh, from his perspective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right, actually. McKay, bring up a good position, point. He has no yeah. one to blame but himself. If he, he started yeah, off If right he three-bets me, I you probably, probably just fold. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless we're like... Sometimes I do play hands like this when we're super deep. And even after the flop, if you were to three-bet you, you could have easily said yeah. pocket queens is in his range. Yeah. You could have easily thought yeah. that he hit a set. And then when you went to bet, he could have, he could have raised it. I mean, there's so many possibilities for, for him, him to win the hand. To be dominant there, yeah. Well... Guys, that takes us just about to the end of the show right here. Um, it's been a pleasure talking poker with you guys. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, yeah. Fun. Julian, you did say you're a legend on the show, so it's nice to have you back. Um, He's giving us some clout, the legend <laughs> that you are. And the rookie over here, Coach yes, Coach Matt McHill. Yep. Uh, thanks for coming on. Of course. My pleasure. Guys. Yeah, and hopefully uh, we have you guys on sometime again yeah. soon. Sounds yeah, good. Some uh, Giants Eagles. Yeah, Come we'll up playoff time, debates. right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about the Eagles in the playoffs later. No one wants to talk we'll about the Jets. No, no Jets. Yeah, not even. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us, and uh, we'll see you next time on Call to Comeback. <laughs>